This is the Common Sense Podcast presented by Tamar. I'm your host, Tamar Weinberg, founder and CEO of Tamar, and I will be talking to people of all walks of life who have suffered adversity and overcome to rise above the ashes and now make self-care and wellness an absolute priority. Hey, everybody. I am delighted. I'm so excited. I have my old friend, one of my older friends in the podcast realm, at least as far as the people I've interviewed, Wesley Faulkner from Texas. Hi, thank you so much for for joining me. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be able to be a guest on your show. Yeah, yeah, I I'm very very honored that you're here. Uh, really, really, it's been amazing. You know, we've I've seen so much of your, you know, we've worked together. We've kind of had these experiences together, and you know, it's it's really we met in a like South by Southwest conference in I don't know 2009 2007. It's mm-hmm. been a it's been a crazy crazy trajectory for us and I guess that kind of leads into like where are you now I I guess you know you're in Texas talk a little bit about that and tell everybody where you've kind of come from and where you are today yes I'm in Texas I'm in Austin specifically I have a wife and two kids Uh, they're very young there's they're eight and five Um, I've had a, a an interesting journey through technology from being uh, on the repair side, like working on like computers and like cracking them open and replacing components and to like reinstalling operating systems to uh, working on high end flying out to uh, multi billion dollar companies and fixing their systems to um, marketing to to talking to people who are end users and and now I'm on kind of like the merger of technology and marketing and DevRel where my job is to explain the usage of the building blocks of technology for the next startup or company to build something amazing for their customers on top of our technology. And the specific company that I work for and I do that for is Daily. Uh, you'll find them at daily.co. It's a video API that allows basically any company or any developer to integrate video into their application or their website. Cool, cool, awesome. So, I know, like, in in the context that you know, we've kind of, I mean, we've known each other both personally, mm-hmm. professionally. Uh, you've, you know, you've had, I guess, your fair share of struggles and whatever. And I, I don't know if that ties into your rise above adversity story, but I know you probably have one that you want to share. So go t- talk to me. Talk to me. Let me know a little more. Well, I would say um, I'm, I'm not rising above it. I feel like I'm making my way through it. That's I fair. think that adversity just kind of uh, it morphs and changes and the shading may be a little bit different. And I feel like the fight is ongoing. I don't feel I can ever let my guard down uh, in terms of adversity because it comes in different forms. Sometimes it's self-esteem. Sometimes it is negative thought that comes externally. Sometimes it's just you know waking up in the morning or sometimes it's just writing an email. There's different forms that I struggle with with um, I'll just I, I don't think we've covered it, but I have uh, dyslexia and also ADHD. And um, through that, it's it's really taken a toll um, in my mental illness and 
uh, when I say illness, I take it as an illness of health in general. Like people would say that they get sick and they catch something. I feel mental illness can be the same thing where we all struggle with mental illness from time to time. And it shouldn't be stigmatized to only a subset of people get it. I think it's one of those things where we all get it. Uh, we all struggle. Some very seriously, some maybe not, but it's something that is a spectrum. And just like my, my learning disabilities, um, as it's considered, um, my neurodiversity. I started off, I started off as in school where I could not learn to read for the longest time. I think I started reading when I was um, in the middle of third grade. So I was wow. eight plus. And one day it just clicked and it, it was one of those things where it wasn't, it was the concepts that I couldn't grasp. It was just, it felt like out of, out of reach. And the, there was never an adjustment to say, hey, he's struggling with this way of learning. So let's try this new way. It was always just rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. And it, it kind of, I would say that's definitely the start of my journey because I had to find my own way in a world that was not meant for me, that wasn't going to change for me and wasn't going to adapt to the how I operated. Right. And, yeah. and the school system is definitely like a good example of cookie cutter where, um, that the, the, the plan is made, uh, and it, it doesn't matter who is going to be going through the system. It's, it's just really, really fixed. You can have some really good teachers and they try really hard, but what they do is they maybe gently reinforce the plan there or gently try to be empathetic and then reinforce the plan there. I mean, the rubric is structured in a way where it, it, it's, it's just so, so um, rigid. It wasn't until I got into high school, I went to a gifted and talented high school called Jesse H. Jones Vanguard in Houston. And because every single class was an honors class, they allowed us and gave us the freedom of doing assignments in three different ways. You know, you could do it very visually, you could do it very like a presentation and performative, or you can do written uh, uh, written, written assignments instead. So having that flexibility allowed me to not only lean on my creativity, but lean on other people who are around me and get inspiration and understand there is better ways. Um, and there are different ways of looking at things and still accomplishing that same goal. Wow. But even still at that point, I had no idea of my diagnosis. I didn't get diagnosed until I went to college my freshman year. Uh, I, I was in a fraternity and there was a mixer between a nervous sorority and I met my then first girlfriend of college. Uh, her name was Christina. We were, we dated for a while and her mother was a special ed teacher and Christina herself, uh, had ADHD and it wasn't, until like going over to her place, going to her house and talking to her, that her mom realized that there was something uh, different about me because we would study together and it was almost apparent to her and she suggested I get tested. And so I did get tested. 
uh, first for dyslexia, then ADHD, and then I was able to start getting accommodations in college so I can get extra time on tests and um, have like some dedicated resources. But still, it was one of those things where, and this this happens to me all the time still, where it is incumbent on me to know exactly what I need and to be able to ask for it. Okay. There wasn't resources to kind of pull together best practices or or tools and tips. I, I was basically still on my own, but just in a different way. One in which I had to be my own advocate. Right. And, you know, I wish I knew then what I know now about some of the adversities of being the way I am. Because uh, it's hard to explain. Just like a native speaker trying to teach someone else how to speak another language, some things just sound right, but you don't know why. Because maybe you don't have the full grasp of what is a verb, what is a noun, what is a transitive, and like how things work. Um, but you just know the rules because you lived in it. Or if you are colorblind and someone is trying to explain color to you, you don't, you're not coming from the same palette to describe right. that. Yeah. And uh, it's the same. Like I didn't I knew I was different because people told me I was different, but I didn't fully grasp until I started doing my own self-education about this is what neurotypical is. This is what neurodiversity is and just understanding the difference. Like reading that people can't look at something in their mind as a 3D object and being able to rotate it and look at all angles. I was like can everybody do that? Apparently, no. I didn't. I so there are things about the way that I think, the way that I take things, and the way that I digest it, that even now I'm just like, really, that is unique to me, um, and uh, and it's hard. It's hard to explain. Um, we're we're coming, you know, we're in 2020. We we all dealt with this whole COVID thing, and we're still dealing with it now. But a, a, an even longer fight fight is this. Black Lives Matter awareness, and it's the same thing where um, my own skin, my own identity uh, is uh, something that's hard to grasp with some people, with my struggle, and with my continued struggle on multiple fronts. And uh, when you start from zero with someone who knows nothing about this subject or um, this life, <laughs> frankly, uh, it can be very burdensome and very onus on on me to try to explain it, if, especially if there's not that type of curiosity on their point, their part to to really understand and be empathetic. So, every job that I've had, uh, it's been a fight to say, "Hey, this is me. This is how I operate," and. Um, most of the time I've found myself not being accepted for who I am. And that, that kind of like makes me feel like I am the, I am the odd one out. There's not a place for me kind of like school, the school structure work and work structural structure. I think a lot of people feel like this is what work is. Um, and I hope that tech would be a little bit more flexible. Um, but it's still growing. It's it's I'm still trying to be my best advocate at the same time 
um, the awareness of neurodiversity um, and even inclusion uh, in multiple ways that diversity now means uh, is still a fight. And I'm lucky that I'm at the company I'm at right now daily that can not only understand but uh, fully embrace and comes with that curiosity on a daily basis. Yeah, that's great. So I had a couple thoughts. I mean, of course, a million of thoughts. First of all, obviously, it's a shortcoming, uh, you know, in the in the education system that, you know, teachers don't spot these things. You know, they don't nurture it early. So uh, it's unfortunate that you found out the first year of college. It's uh, it's it's, uh, it's almost annoying, and I'm kind of pissed off for you because you know that wasn't fair to you. But at the same time, it's good that you finally found, I guess, a sense of closure. But that being said, you know, a lot of people, uh, and, and I, I had, I just interviewed somebody like two weeks ago or three weeks ago, uh, Sasha Raskin. And she was like, you know, I go to, I, I went to bed and I, like, I'd have a panic attack. And I, I always thought that that was, that was normal. I thought everybody has a panic attack and like, you, you, you don't know necessarily that you were, that something was wrong. Like mm-hmm. our, our world, our, our, our universe is what we, how we experience the world how are we supposed to know otherwise? So there's that challenge and that struggle is, is very, very real. But yeah, like you said, there's so many different ways to do things. And it's I like the fact that you went to a high school that kind of experiences, allows you to do things like visually, auditorially, you know, written. Like, I think that's amazing. And I, I wish more people would, there's that sense of uh, empathy or understanding to uh, accept the fact that we are different. Um, you know, right now on Facebook, you might've seen it. There is a meme of how somebody would draw a star, you know, your five point star. And, Mm -hmm. you know, for me, like, I know how I do it, but like the, the idea of it, and I'm going to just explain it for anybody who doesn't know. And if you don't know, uh, you might've seen it on our friend, our mutual friend, Laura Fitton's, um, Facebook. Yeah. Where the points are numbered. Yeah. So you draw them in a certain order of numbers, like one, three, five, two. Yeah. Yeah, And and like for me, I'm just like, here's one, four, whatever. But then I realized that in my head I did it wrong and I put myself in the wrong position. But like, yeah, the thing is that not everybody draws it that way. Some people, they'll start on the bottom right. Some people will start on the top left. And I'm like, oh, for me, I start on the bottom left. Like, you know, so like everyone's like mind blown. Like every you think that everybody does it the same way, but you don't because our brains are wired differently. There's another thing uh, like maybe, I don't know, three or four years ago. And maybe I'm getting this wrong, but I'm going to try. Um, when you think to yourself, do you think, how do you think to yourself? Do you have like your words in your head? Do you, do you know? No, no words. Okay. Uh, so the, the, with dyslexia, the, the portion, so the brain kind of has like this uh, part of it that does basically symbol symbol translation or trans it it allows you to see a symbol and recognize it really quickly without even thinking basically okay and that portion of my brain basically doesn't exist and so it's almost like when you have um um, you play a video game and it needs like a really good graphics card and you don't have a graphics card so it has to use your cpu or your processor and so it goes really really slow but it's able you're able to see it but you don't have something to offload that work and i'm a very very techie so that's a very computer term so apologies um and so so it takes a lot of work for me to decode um, symbols and so usually i i 
really think about things visually. Uh, so I'll play a play in my head. Uh, I'll walk through steps. Uh, I just basically reenact my thinking. But in combination with ADD, it's almost like when they say uh, changing TV channels, it's like that. I'll have an image, something totally different, and it'll go through depending on um, depending on how I'm feeling that day. And so uh, I think a lot also with ADD, people take it as being very distracted, but it's actually a swap between being extremely focused and extremely distracted and going between both of those when you're AD, when you're ADHD. And so if it's something that I'm super passionate about, I'll just go on deep and like everything else falls away. And that's when you start missing emails, uh, deadlines, um, meet at meetings, uh, notifications, you forget to eat that kind of thing. Um, and some of it's like super distracting, which, uh, I have to write a paper and I can get the title, but then I have to check my email. Um, but then I need to, um, pay bills or, you know, all of this stuff can just get in the way of that. So mentally, I, I really do think of images, uh, and, um, it's played in a sequence. So it is more of moving in images or actions happening rather than, uh, words or like pictures. Yeah. So, you know, but, but it turns out that it's not necessarily limited to dys like people with dyslexia. Like I think it were mostly in words, there might be, I'm not entirely sure what the alternative is, honestly, but the thing yeah. you know, that, that that's another mind blown moment. Like when, when this was discovered, the fact that people who like were the other way didn't realize, Oh, there's another way to live. Like there's another way to function. And it's, it's the same thing. Like there's not, I don't think there's a sense of acceptance and understanding that our lives are not the way other people necessarily live. Like, and that's, it's literally, these are, these are mental processes. Forget about the fact that, you know, we're, we're, I'm not talking about socioeconomic types of things here. Like the way we are made is like different. Like one of my biggest struggles, my, maybe my biggest weakness is I'm not so great at listening. And I remember like when I took my aptitude test when I was younger, uh, like we had this, 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 the scholastic, whatever, the Stanford achievement test. I know that I think, yeah, maybe it was just our, our little SATs back before they were, no, no. Th who knows? Are, those are, who knows? You weren't listening. So yeah, yeah. I wasn't listening. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> what was it? The, uh, Stan was it Stanford? What, what's the biggest, the SAT? Uh, SAT? Yeah. What, what is that? What is the normal SAT? Standardized, I don't know, something or other. Standardized. So okay. Um, so I. So we had the Stanford aptitude test. Yes. Okay. Whatever it is. So we had we we had in grade school, like probably up to like sixth grade, we had uh, these like achievement tests where you know we were uh, evaluated in in reading comprehension, we were evaluated in listening, and we were evaluated in math. Um, my math was always very very good. My reading comprehension wasn't so great because of my listening and my listening was always really very poor. And eventually I had to learn that like to, to kind of nurture that muscle to really focus, 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 but it was outside of my normal realm of uh, aptitude. And mm -hmm. over time I was able to build it up, but still I'm not so great at it. For example, honestly, I, I multitask and I'm such a multitasker and like my body gravitates toward multitasking that it's so difficult to have a meeting, like to have meetings, <laughs> Zoom meetings I can't do um, on a general, on a regular basis because it requires such a, for me, it's, it's, 
it's a lot more exhausting to have like mm -hmm. meet with people than to do my other things because I can achieve so much more in so much less less time. So I, I like you know I, I appreciate Zoom culture so much because we're doing so much more, but I'm also getting a lot less done. So I've been lately like I try not to have meetings anymore because I can't do it. It's just so emotionally taxing for me because I think it comes down to my inability to listen. Mm-hmm. And when I'm finally in a meeting, um, I I still multitask anyway, and I never get like it, it ends up being a half-assed job on both sides. I have no idea what the meeting is usually about, and I don't have no idea what I was just accomplishing. <laughs> it's really bad. Anyway, that's an admission I didn't necessarily want to make, but here we are. Okay, go for it. I was going to say that that that's like an ex, ex, should be accepted as a different way of thinking. Let's that's all about neurodiversity. It's not necessarily. Like I'm dyslexic, I'm ADHD, but neurodiversity is about understanding that everyone thinks differently, everyone operates differently, and that ADHD is a bucket of some of these um, these uh, features, and um, you're able to identify some of these points, and you might say that that is dyslexia, but um, we already have like shorthand for this because we talk about people who are introverted and extroverted. Um, and the same thing with people who are introverted but still go to events where you wouldn't necessarily know that they're introverted because they're participating, but they'll go back to their hotel room and just pass out because they're exhausted because it takes a certain amount of effort to do some of the things that might come easily to someone else. Right. And it's not a bad trait to be introverted, but it's something that we have put some sort of stigma attached to it, even though it's just a description. It's, this, it's not good or bad, it just is. And that's kind of what I'm trying to do in terms of being really transparent about my labels um, by just saying that you know, labels don't need, necessarily mean need to be bad. Different doesn't mean bad. Just different is just different. And um, being able to accept yourself and being able to have other people accept saying, ooh, do we really want Tamara to be in this meeting? Because maybe she can be more uh, productive doing something else and we can send her the notes. Or maybe she can attend for the first half and then she can bow out after her part's done. Um, I think we all, if we all could be flexible around everyone's styles and how everyone operates, I think the world would be a better place. Yeah, I've worked in organizations and companies where, yeah, meeting attendance was mandatory enough that I pushed myself out, I bowed out, and thus I basically shirked some uh, potential promotions. Mm -hmm. I basically demoted myself uh, at at several companies because I just was, I I couldn't sit through these meetings. And I don't think that my ability is less, it's just that, yeah, that that particular function is just doesn't suit me. And I mean, that's a, that's an interesting challenge. I was having, uh, as far as transparency, I mean, I have to say kudos to you. I was having a conversation last week and yes, it was on zoom. Um, we've, I connected with somebody on, on another, like, yeah, I I've done just a few of these. I've really minimized them, but uh, about a few months ago, I did this like women's it's called CEO S H E E O. And it's basically, uh, for, for women entrepreneurs. And it's like this whole entire, like, it's like a community of activate people active they help each other whatever they they promote each other it's actually a really cool venture and um i we we there's this like you pay for you typically pay for it i'm not a paid member but i tried it out 
and I was ultimately thrown into a a room with like like seven of us and I started sharing my story and someone's like, oh, let me talk to you. I think she she might have potentially been trying to recruit me because she's gotten so much publicity since then. I think that's great, but um, maybe not. Um, but I connected with her last week and like, you know, we were, we were starting, we were sharing our story and she's like, you know, I've basically gone through the depression as well and I totally get it. And I started to realize, you know, and, and she was very, she also admits that she's been very transparent about her story. And I realized she and I are effectively like the CEOs. We sit at the head of the table in our company. And thus it's a lot easier because, you know, we're not going to be potentially demoted or anything like that. Um, for for sharing something that you know you people would perceive as a weakness and mm -hmm. I, I realized that most people who are working for others are afraid to do it because they feel that there is potential stigma that they're going to be not not respected as much so i have to say again like kudos to you for that i think more people need to do it because i think there's there's some and i just actually wrote a, like a whole entire uh, thing about this last night at like two o'clock in the morning. So let me let me pull it up. I think there's a, a lot of benefits that you can get from it. Number one is, you know, you are seen as a lot more approachable because you're doing it. Number two, um, you know, it gives you confidence to do it because of that validation that you'll get from other people. And number three, like it could potentially open new doors. Um, you know, the fact that you're sharing something and that you're coming out there could, you know, they like like in your case in daily like you it potentially has given that opportunity to you because you know there is an understanding as you said that they're navigating that and they're totally welcoming it and they understand that there is diversity out there in the workforce and the other thing was like i mean it might it, it there is a a, sen a sense of having accessibility i have apparently people have confided in me because i am basically being vulnerable enough for other people to be like yeah i've gone through depression too or I have a family member who's depressed. Do you have any recommendations for them? So, you know, those things, because, because it's so stigmatizing, therefore it's not publicized. And if you start publicizing it, people will be like, oh, that individual is more relatable. Let's make it happen. And let me share my story. And there, there might be a additional respect. Obviously that comes down to making sure that when you actually show up to work, you perform. If, if you're, you know, you talk about I'm depressed and you don't perform at work, then that's, that's the downfall. But if you say, Hey, here's my, um, I have this, this thing, please be understanding of, you know, like I, I'm talking about in the context of depression, I have dyslexia, like, you know, please, please have an understanding. Like that's different. Like you, you that's completely different. But if you're like depressed and you're like, okay, I'm going to show up to work. I'm not going to be happy. And I'm like going to have a bad mood all day. Then it's going to totally, that might blow back in your face. So I'm talking about in the context of like specifically in the depression, you do need to like be open about that. You're like, you struggled or you were struggling, but like, make sure you still, you know, quote unquote, show up. And I mean it in the sense of really, truly showing up. Yeah, I think generally society, at least here in America, specifically, you know, it's kind of like a flux between conformity and, and uh, being unique. Like you want to conform, but you also want to stand out. And, I, and we flow through this and we kind of, generally speaking, I think the mass populace wants to be in the conformity of being with everyone else. But you also want to be unique in terms of like in that in that structure, you want to kind of be at the top. 
You want to like, and because that the the sameness is like a sameness that's also not obtainable. So perfection, uh, smart, uh, successful, all of that is the sameness that we don't fit in, but that is what we consider quote unquote normal. But then you, if you able to put yourself in unique from things that are considered uh, greatness, like I saved a child from a burning building. Uh, I wrote a book, I started a movie. Those uniqueness in terms of exceptionalism is what's seen as uh, something that is the, the ultimate marker of success. And this other type of uniqueness of being able to express how you actually are is now seen as being brave, right? So just talking about like how you actually are is seen as an act of bravery and allows you to tap into those people who feel like they can't be accepted or can hide. So it does put you in a certain type of class of uniqueness that is relatable and allows, or, or you become a beacon to all these other people who feel that they can't talk, they can't right. share. And they now say, hey, you did the thing that I couldn't do. And so you're brave and I would like to talk to you because now I feel that it's safe, that I can share the part of me that relates to the part of you. And uh, it, it's sad that it has to be unique, but it's one of those things where we all have it, but not all of, not all of us, not all of us can talk about it or feel safe to talk about it. Right. And that's why I'm trying to say maybe it's helpful to do that because, you know, there are benefits that you get out of it. But it's unfortunate that it really, it takes, it literally, like, you'll probably still have, you'll have people confide in you, but they're not going to make it public because I think also the expectation is that everybody has to be professional and they can't be human. It, it's one or the other. Yeah. And I used to have yeah. a Facebook page, um, you know, like you could like me as like a personality but I decided to migrate everything into my personal space. And certainly, you know, I, I limit my profile visibility to public for most people. Uh, these days, I, I really just, I don't even promote, I don't even share personal stuff because I don't want to. <laughs> but like, so basically what you're following is what you, what you see is what you get because I'm going to be completely honest about it. But I don't post that much. But the bottom line is that I put everything together because I realize I'm a whole person and I'm not going to communicate only like the, like back in the day, I was like sharing cool links and stuff. That's not even what I do these days. I'm just, yeah, tomorrow I'm launching a perfume brand based on the fact that I experienced depression and perfume saved my life. That's the story. Very, very short elevator pitch, if you will. Um, and a lot of people just like, they don't, it's, it's, it's extremely difficult to extricate the personal side or the professional, like to separate that and to make it part of your being, just like you said. And I think, I think we need to, we need to, embrace that we need to appreciate that <laughs> like i have to say i'm glad that there are strides like we are seeing strides in our generation um i my mother's pretty traditional and admissions of such things are definitely not things that my mother like my father's a, a physician so he has a little bit of an understanding medical understanding that there, that this exists but i remember back in the day when i think i first became depressed in like my teens um, it was something that, like, it wasn't something to talk about, really. Um, yeah, and I and think I, that's why your your story is so powerful about sense because you're able to use something, put something on yourself 
that you can accept. Like I like that and that's part of me and that's coming over, that's carrying this with me and I'm able to actually like this thing and it's something that kind of, you know, attaches to you. Cause since, you know, it matches with your body chemistry and it can be very unique when you put it on. And so I, that's why I love your story so much about like having something external to reinforce your internal, but sorry, I interrupted. You were saying, please. No, 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 I know you're hundred percent right. And listen, that's, that's, that's how the po podcast is supposed to be. I just haven't been able to interrupt you because it's been such a, you know, it's, there's so, there's a lot of value in what you're saying in your story and it's, it's hard to figure out how do I, how do I break in? <laughs> so it's totally fine. Um, yeah, I, I, I am glad that my story has power. I just wish other people did. But then again, that would put me in the quote unquote normal range. And I kind of like being unique right now. So let me let me take it as it is right now. I'll be happy that I've got this. And it's a platform where people are like, thank you for being vulnerable. And I'm like, you can do it too. It's like, there's no reason for you not to. But yeah. I'll, like I said, I, I'm gonna embrace the fact that I have this until I guess it becomes so normal that everybody talks about how they're flawed. And then we can proceed with figuring out something new. <laughs> I don't even know what it's going to be like. It's like trying to find out the next unicorn in like five years. It's, it's seriously the same type of thing with the evolution of like how mental health, if, if there ever is going to be an evolution and people are going to want to open up about, you know, what they're, what they're, what they go through and what they're suffering um, internally where people don't necessarily have a window into that. Yeah. yeah. I hope it's one of the things that catches on. It doesn't seem so, um, so far-fetched. I, I, I think, uh, I, I hope that the future cultures look at the video from now and just like, wow, that is so different. Um, like when uh, I watched the Apple keynote yesterday and people were wearing t-shirts and jeans, right? And it's like, how is that a business? How are, how are they able to not have suit and tie for every presentation? And I think that's, to me, it, it's, it seems super normal to see that. But like, I would say like 15 years, 20 years ago, it would have been really weird to, to see a presentation from one of the most uh, like valued and uh, capable companies in the world just, give, just seem and appear uh, very nonchalant and accessible. And I, I, I really hope that we all can get there someday. Yeah, yeah. Let's see how it plays out after 2020. <laughs> you know, the fact that 30, I think 10% of the world was depressed before the pandemic and now it's exceeded 30%. So, I mean, if anyone's listening, first of all, I'm here. So you can always reach out to me and I want to be accessible myself, given that I've went through that, gone through that struggle several times in my life. And second of all, hopefully you'll be, you'll have the confidence to step out and say, hey, I suffered through pandemic related or what, if it's not even pandemic related uh, depression because you are not alone. 30%, 30 and north of 30% is a lot of people. <laughs> it's crazy. Like I, I conduct myself as if nobody is dealing with it right now, but it's because, you know, I don't want to necessarily have to feel like I'm way, working my way into something that's pretty personal. And that's like, I want to be there to support, but I can't. And I just, I just hope people are are could reach out if they feel like they struggle, you know. And hopefully, you'll be able to pull yourself out and overcome. It's it's difficult, but to that point, you know, for me, overcoming came from 
a variety of self-care rituals that I've shared in past podcasts, but I want to talk about your self-care ritual, if you will. Talk to me. Um, before we do that, I just wanted to touch on what you were saying um, uh, and just re- bring up the article that I shared with you that you said you saw. That yeah, that's true. 20% of people who uh, have have had COVID, part of their uh, recovery, quote unquote, is that within like 90 days of recovering that they experience some mental illness. So it's it's not just something that is internally you can't deal with the world. It's it's something that can happen to you, no fault of your own. And in the U.S. here, we're at the mark where like we just crossed 10 million, and so. If you take 20% of just that number, that's that you know that's two million people who are gonna go through this whether they like it or not. So it just need it does need to be um, the stigma needs to be removed uh, in terms of having and suffering through this because um, it's it's gonna happen. It's possibly gonna happen, and people just don't talk about it. So that number is probably wildly reduced based on the stigma that we have about it, and people can't even feel like they can express that or it's so alien that people don't recognize what they're going through um, right. at the same time. Yeah, I just um, want to, I just, before you do that, I just want to like just add that the study specifically showed that there's a first time, it's an increased first time diagnosis of anxiety, depression, and insomnia by twofold. So if, I mean, that's something to just keep, a, keep an eye out for, and it could be a result of, hey, the fact that you had COVID. I don't know. Yeah. 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 Um, my self-care um, is one that is evolving, like we talked about, like I feel like I'm still fighting, I'm still learning about myself. Um, so I, I do self-education still. Uh, so uh, that, uh, that enables and empowers me to be able to speak more about the subject from a place of uh, authority rather than a place of speculation. What do you, self, uh, what do you, what do you self-educate in? Like how do you? Uh, dyslexia, uh, neurodiversity, um, the racial inequality, uh, all of the things that I feel that are that I struggle with. Um, I just want to be able not only just tell my story, but tell a more expansive, historical, uh, context-driven version for the whole world, or um, at least in this country, um, about the the development as we learn more about both neurodiversity and. Um, marginalization both from uh, racial inequality and but also um, the toxic masculinity and patriarchal structure that we all kind of live in um, and so I, I, I read books uh, audiobooks on, on that subject regularly and um, articles and follow people on Twitter <laughs> that, that talk about this so that's something that's really important to me to feel less alone and more informed and a better educator and a communicator and make sure that I can fight for acceptance of everyone uh, around that. So that's that's one of the things that I do. Two is actually I do talk about it. So uh, I do public speaking. I do podcasts like this one, um, talking about my experiences and um, helping to enlighten others as much as I can to do my small little part. And um, also... Um, I, I work out. I move my body. Um, I, I try to uh, squeeze in uh, a workout a day if I can, hopefully. And there are some times uh, where it falls off. But I also, uh, on Wednesdays, I meet with a friend. We have a, like a mental health check-in 
where we talk about what we're struggling with and what we're what problems we're having. I had one this morning. Uh, and on Fridays, I have a, an accountability buddy. So we talk about our health, our fitness, our, uh, what we're, we're eating, um, and how we're feeling. Um, and so we say, we actually have a checklist saying, did you do this, did you do this, did you do that? And knowing that at the end of the week, I need to explain myself actually helps keep me motivated. So um, those, those are the things that I do right now. And um, I am just now, going to be adding in um, some counseling to get some counseling to help work on myself. Um, it's been something I've been putting off for a long, long time. I've done it before uh, in my life, but uh, in this point, I, I think that I know a little bit more about myself that I can be a little bit more productive and working on me. So I will be adding that into the whole mix too and for self-care. Cool. So yeah, I want to, I want to expand upon accountability. So as, as a, a founder, you know, a female founder, I actually, uh, in February, somebody created a, an accountability group that literally, like I left that meeting and went into this one. So I've been doing it since February and now we're in November. And I have to say, there's a lot of value in having a cadence with, a, with regular people. For us, it's a group of four. It's an intimate, close-knit group of four. Sometimes, you know, we're not always there, but we meet every single Wednesday at 10 o'clock in the morning. And that to me is extraordinarily helpful. I think anybody should do it. As far as accountability buddy, I, I definitely, yeah, 100%, I love the fact that you have somebody and I'm glad you're you're being accountable to them. Uh, I, I, tried, I tried to do that with several people through the course of my life and I think that there's a benefit in having more than two people. So for anybody who's listening, who's like, oh yeah, that hasn't worked in the past, try to build it with a larger group. Mm -hmm. I just, I also started a, a accountability group uh, a few weeks ago in, in a different um, group for founders. Uh, there were a lot of people who were interested, but I realized that there were so many people that were interested that we're not going to accomplish anything. We're just going to talk for an hour because we're trying to like right now, those are the two meetings that I'll have. Um, my female founder accountability and my other founder accountability group. But like there's 10 people who are interested and you know, you'll never accomplish anything and it'll just be like a networking thing, which might help. But in time, people are going to start dropping off and we're going to get more intimate and close knit and maybe that's good. Um, becomes a little more, if you will, mastermindy having that type of accountability to a level of like, you know, making things happen. So I think that that's a benefit in general, but you do, I wouldn't say, I would say, if, if you struggle having somebody because they're not going to keep up with you like every Friday, like the way you do, which I think is amazing, try to make a big, bigger group. Just don't make it too big. That's my moral of the story there. Um, we're still figuring it out at that one as, for that one. Um, as far as working out, I'm just kind of curious, what type of things do you do when you move your body? So I do the seven minute workout. It's, it's, it's short, uh, but it's effective. Like I feel it. Um, but also it's short enough that, Darn it! I, I, it's it's really has to be a really big thing for me to skip it, because um, I don't um, I I could do it at, in my office. I don't have to go to a gym. I don't have to use really any equipment. Um, so it's one of those things where I, I if if it's uh, if it's short, it's it's uh, should it should be something I I should be able to fit in my day. It's not a big audition um, uh, audition goal that it like feels like oh gosh i need to change clothes or i need to go outside or i need to get some weights or something it feels like all right i'm between meetings i got 10 minutes i should be able to knock it out 
I like that. And, and, uh, or if I'm stumped, I, 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 I'm writing an article and I just can't like think of the next thing. Let's move my body a little bit, uh, and at least feel like that part is productive. Uh, and uh, you know, I feel good. I feel the endorphins. I feel like even the little bit of tinges, like tings of pain of like knowing that I did something is a really good reminder that uh, I'm trying to stay healthy. Yeah. Cool. Um, I realize that work, uh, wor working out has to happen and I have to actually get dressed for it. <laughs> that was my, how I've positioned myself and I have to do it each day. So like if that means 11, well, I, I typically work out at night anyway, but like lately my workouts have been like 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night and, and I'm still working into midnight, which is sort of insane, <laughs> but it's how it works for me. I don't know. Everybody will find their way. And I think that yeah. the, the I, I used to use the seven minute workout app also, but I decided that I need to vary things a little bit. And I got bored. Some, some of these things like female fitness is a great app, very basic. Uh, you could get it from the Android store. I assume there's probably iOS versions as well. And it's, it's all well and good, but the specific challenges is that it is kind of basic so like i started doing like orange theory fitness and then i i, I started i did a, a paid beach body subscription and i'm starting to work my way through the 60 minute 80 minute obsession uh, 80 80 day obsession uh sessions and they're like yeah they're really long but you know i you got to get them done it's like the thing you got to make sure you, you make some time however way it works yeah. yeah, and, and you, can, you can have an accountability, but it allows me to like. Sometimes you can explain away why you didn't do something, but having to verbally explain away to someone else, it's a little bit heavier. And, yeah, but yeah, yeah find, find your own motivation, whether or not it's getting the nice clothes, or um, spending the two grand on a Peloton or whatever. Um, um, that's 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 a little bit too much for me, but uh, yeah, I think you, there's many paths to to achieving what you what you think you need. Yeah, I went to the Peloton store and I didn't like it, probably because of the shoes. I have to try it again because it's been so hyped up and everybody. I see Peloton delivery vans delivering all the time, so I'm like, what am I missing? Because I didn't <laughs> I didn't experience it the way they did. Whatever. Yeah. Everybody's different. Physical, physical diversity, not just exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the other thing for me is that I work my ass off. I work seven days, work out seven days a week. Whether or not I'm working out heavily is is to be, you know, it's debatable. I'll, like I'll take a walk. That's a workout. I, but I've literally worked out every single day since January first of this year, and I don't necessarily show the same results as someone who might have started like a month ago. Like these people are like, oh, look at me. I have six pack. I'm like, oh, look at me. I've been working out for like, you know, since the last year, forget this year. This is just every single consecutive day since January 1st. But like, I don't, I'm not showing it. I'm glad I'm doing it for myself, but the output is not necessarily as visible as the, I guess the inputs that some people um, are, are like, I don't know. My inputs are probably higher. And they, I don't know. But like I said, yeah. it's all about diversity, physical, mental, mm -hmm. all the things. Yeah. Yeah, right. it's good to try to do it for yourself if you can. But there is like, it's that whole societal norm thing too that we all have to figure out. Like, am I like, uh, am I getting this tattoo for me for me to see, or I'm getting a tattoo to signal other people? <laughs> right, and that's also the sort of the idea of fragrance for myself is that you wear it for yourself and not for others. 
So that's mm-hmm. the idea of my brands. And I want people not to over put too much. They're like, oh, it smells so, it's so strong. Don't spray. You could literally, you could put half of a spritz and you'll get, you'll get, a, you'll get a whole day of impact. Like that's the idea to keep it for and do it just for yourself. Not to, to kill the, the, <laughs> well, as perfumes, they say like it stinks over a room sometimes. Not, not my objective here. Yeah. Um, all right. So I have one final, final question for you. And that's if you can give an earlier version of yourself, a piece of advice, what would you tell him? It's like the common sense question. Hmm. I love the pauses. I, I, it's the, I would say that, the, don't focus on the negative. Yeah. Just re- really lean into the positive. Um, it's okay that I, you don't fit into a box is something that I would share. It's one of the, I have actually being, you know, a geek uh, into sci-fi thought about what would happen if I could have a conversation with my past self. And I would just reinforce that I'm on the right path. I think uh, I, I've always found my own way of doing things, way of thinking, way of going about things. And you know what we're talking about before, where people are obsessed with the process over the outcome. Uh, I've, I, I feel that I need to reinforce that. Yeah, it's the process that you come up with that will be seen as a template for others once the success is proven. And it's been that way time and time again that I've gotten somewhere, and someone says, well, "How'd you get there? Or how did you do that?" And then I explain her like, that's brilliant. That brilliance means something. That brilliance is part of my story. That brilliance, that work product is valuable. So even though I heard a lot of naysayers, got a lot of pushback on this journey, the outcome is undeniable. And the non-typical, non-standard way of getting here is golden, and um, even though it's poo-pooed during the time, I think that it works. It pays off to to continue on my own path. Cool. Well, I love that. I appreciate that a lot. Awesome. Thank so, you. So, yeah, uh, what? Where could people find you? First and foremost is Twitter. Wesley eighty three on Twitter. Uh, you can find me there. You can find the company that I work for at daily.co and I do my own podcast with a group of friends. Uh, I just joined this podcast recently. It's called Community Pulse. It's communitypulse.io, which is uh, developer relations and community professionals talking about what's going on in the industry. But uh, you might also find me on LinkedIn, but I really, really encourage people if you really wanna talk and connect with me, Twitter's my preferred method. Sweet. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. It was so great to connect. And yeah, I really enjoyed this. Yes. It's really good to talk to you again. Uh, Old friend. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Virtual hug. Thank you all again for tuning in. This is your host, Tamar Weinberg of the Common Sense Podcast. Till next time, 